This is episode 187 of the Anarchist News Podcast, a digest on anarchist activity, ideas, and conversations from the previous week on anarchistnews.org. What's new this week? Listerbo Caravan from Contra Info, translated from the Spanish by Anarchist News. A brave and fun idea to support anarchist prisoners and also be in the world. Quote, this caravan will become what we want it to be. The idea is that of departing from the center of Italy towards the south, reaffirming our solidarity with all our imprisoned comrades. We want to occupy streets, squares, meadows under the walls of prisons, to find comrades who can welcome us in these places, creating moments of exchange and confrontation and initiatives to self-finance this caravan and perhaps contribute some money to collaborate in anti-repression funds. We carry whatever we want in our cellar and spread the word to be ready to depart before winter. Inflated tires and a full tank for anarchy, for freedom. Requests for contacts for each stage and for material support. We are preparing a caravan in the month of November in solidarity with anarchist prisoners and against every cage from Rome to Sicily to hold concentrations of greetings below the infamous walls, charitable and not so charitable initiatives, and varied acts of presence in the street." Unquote. If you're in their zones, support them for being brave in the world and also wearing masks. Arsons claimed in Indonesia from Anon, a communique of course. It starts thusly, quote, We, Maverick Cell FAI, claim responsibility for the arson attack on October 20th, 2020 at the police office in front of the University of Tanjungpura, Pontianak, West Borneo, because of our unstoppable anger and disgust against the police apparatus, the enemy in human form. We're disgusted by those who want to cooperate and support the police apparatus and their bullshit rehabilitation. We only want to attack. We don't have any illusion to correct the very nature of police brutality. We don't offer a solution. We want an uncompromising collapse of the system. And you have to take control of yourself because of the chaos tricks of the state and the capitalists you support. And also this action is condemnation for progressive students who pretend to act on behalf of the people, especially in Pontianic, but are still a cult for identity politics by saying long live students. And they colluded with the police for the arrests of our brothers, unquote. And it continues, countering a trend towards shorter communiques. Quote, This attack is dedicated to anarchists and fellow subversives held by the state, and also for the brave Mikhail Shlubitsky. Solidarity with the entire combatant, Indonesia, and the world, unquote. Three Years of Revenge, a Chronicle of the Network Case, from the Russian Reader by Jan Schenkman of the Novaya Gazeta. On the closing of the appeals case, these are thumbnails of a variety of cases all handled as part of the state's case against a potentially made-up organization called the Network, which they accused anarchists and anti-fascists of belonging to. This is a long and depressing, never surprising, recitation of the facts of the arrests and the case, with multiple links, which has been in process for three years. Quote, rumors reach Moscow that anarchists and anti-fascists have been disappearing in Penza. Their arrests are really like abductions. A person disappears, and that is it. Alexei Polikovich, a correspondent with OVD Info and an anarchist who recently served time in the Volotnaya Square case, travels to Penza. He learns about what has happened, including the torture, but the relatives of the detainees ask him not to publish the information. The general sentiment at the time was not to make a fuss. Things would only get worse, and most importantly, the torture would resume. Consequently, the information is published only in January after the arrest in Petersburg of Viktor Filinkov, Igor Shitskin, and Yuli Borishnyov as part of the same case." Unquote. Visit repression.com to find out how to support the defendants of this case and write an anarchist prisoner today. Update on Gabriel Pombo da Silva from Actor Freedom Now. Information about how he's doing, the fairly mild but still obnoxious ways that the prison officials are messing with him, and advice about how to work around it, where to send him books, and the address for letters. Solidarity to alleged terrorist organization, Comrades, from Athens in the media. Ah, state tactics. They do like to use the same shit against us over and over again. Quote, a few words about the construction of the so-called organization Comrades from the position of one of the park persecuted comrades. So the state, trying to sell the ideology of the war on terror, is constructing organizations. The terrorist organization they created under the name Comrades is, as they claim, an organization which operates from 2016 to today and carries out attacks on Athens. 
This logic goes beyond the limit of the normal and the real in a way that can only be described as ridiculous. Essentially, the name of this famous organization is no more than the signature that has been used by the anarchist anti-authoritarian movement for years, let's say decades. They used it in the past, use it in the present, and will use it in the future. Everyone will find hundreds of texts with the same signature all over Greece, most likely and internationally. This new methodology, the use of a wider signature and its conversion in a terrorist organization is something unprecedented scope of action of the wider anarchist movement, as well as intimidation of those who belong to it. A series of next terrorist organizations must be solidarity, anarchists, communists, and the laughter has no end, unquote. The moral of the story, never sign your letters the same way twice, I guess. Announcing anarcho-syndicalist reviewed number 81. One plus editorial from syndicalist.us slash. Wow. Okay, don't yell at me for simplistic shortcuts, but looking over the posted table of contents for this issue, there seems to be one, exactly one, woman author, and guess what? She's dead! Don't get me wrong, Marie-Louise Berneri is solid, and probably the person I'd most like to read in this crew that includes Ian McKay, Wayne Price, pieces on wobblies and labor law, Actions against wage theft are not all wages theft. Oh dear, never mind. I am not entering that rabbit hole, etc. But you can probably tell that that's not saying much. Quote, these are dark times indeed. Paramilitary thugs roam the country, brandishing assault rifles and shouting anti-Semitic slogans. In Portland and other cities, they coordinate with local police as they threaten demonstrators against police brutality and institutional racism, and actually fire paintballs and other ostensibly non-lethal weapons. One of these neo-fascists killed two protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin, August 25th, and wounded a third. Police allowed him to go home without so much as questioning him, though he was later arrested on murder charges. Trump and his cheerleaders at faux news (laughs) heralded the killer as a hero, unquote. (laughs) Who are they talking to? Who hasn't read this information and analysis months ago? A solid meh. Vote or don't on abstention from Black Rose Federation by Cameron A., basically makes the argument that worrying about voting is a waste of time. Do it or don't. What we need to do is organize ourselves as a class capable of taking state and capital power. Well, they call it, quote, exerting our will on both the state and capital, unquote. I'm sure that's totally different. Seems kind of counterproductive to spend time writing about a thing that is a waste of time, though, you know? Also, the phrase, take a different tack, is based on a sailing term, T-A-C-K, to turn abruptly. Not the word tact. Now you know. Four anarchists detained at the Belarusian border for direct actions from Anarchist Black Cross Belarus. A brief alert that four people have been arrested at the border for terrorism and illegal arms trafficking, the most severe penalty of which is the death penalty. They are in a KGB jail in Minsk. You can support them financially through ABC Belarus. There's a link for that and also to send them letters of support. Diane De Prima Obituary, CBC Radio, a mainstream Canadian news source. This is the transcript of a podcast interview with one of De Prima's daughters, which is also linked. Anarchy, the word, is never mentioned, but I offer this as a reflection of an anarchist spirit slash lifestyle. Quote, question, what was it like to have her as a mom? Answer, we were exposed to a lot of different things, to more poetry by the time you were seven than most people probably experience in their whole lives. And we'd have the living theater coming to crash at the house. And now we're at a commune. Now we're in a bus driving somewhere, you know, up to Canada. Actually, we did go on a bus one time, a Volkswagen bus. And we were at demonstrations and we were at festivals and teach-ins and backstage at concerts. And so we went with her mostly. Having Ginsburg as a babysitter meant, you know, he's staying with you while I go on stage and read. I think it made us strong. All of us are able to talk to just about anybody. All of us believe in our own creativity and imagination as the most important thing. All of us have been taught to question authority and look underneath the surface of everything and not just go along to get along. Unquote. Only Anarchists Are Pretty from C4SS by Logan Marie Glitterbaum. This is subtitled, quote, An Anarchist Guide to Fashion Part 2, Dressing for Anonymity, unquote. Which makes me mourn again the anarchist sensation of 10 years ago, the Boulevardier, the best anarchist fashionista. Which is not to say that anonymity and security are all fine and totally worth informing yourself about, and it's totally not a thing that this piece doesn't challenge the anarchist tendency to dull fashion conformity or anything. 
Though really you haven't lived till you've seen the expression on the face of your old school hardcore friend getting called out by the cute young thing from LA on all his boring black and blue and camo cargo shorts. But I digress. This piece offers some links to sites that sell things to make up strategies that don't always work, and glosses over black block, pastel block, and going gray. If you're brand new to these things, then maybe there is some useful information here, but I suggest you don't spend money on fancy masks, at least until you've been around the block a few times. Did you see what I did there? Destituencies! Issue zero from destituencies.com. Here's most of the about us for destituencies, conflicted as it is. Quote, Destituencies is an online journal that diagrams and aims to depose the forms of power that exist at the intersections of global politics, culture, and art. Our project is guided by three interconnected principles. One, a distrust and critique of all forms of power. Two, a rejection of the corporate internet and surveillance capitalism. Three, a commitment to feminist, decolonial, anti-fascist, queer, anti-racist, and migrant struggles, unquote. It seems to be based in the U.S. since it talks about the elections. Anyway, issue zero is three reprints, one a poem by Wendy Trevino, one from the journal Hostess, available from your friendly neighborhood anarchist distro, and one from a flyer in Barcelona. The final piece is by one of the editors of Destituencies called Notes on Ungovernable Life. They are all online and linked. New issue of UK anarchist zine Return Fire from Anon. Volume 6 of Return Fire, which has featured some very good analysis in past issues and looks to be continuing that, though I haven't read this issue yet. Still sounds good so far. Quote, As we announced a full turning of the year past, this volume hopes to confront the relation of our anarchy to the amorphous outline of what is often called the left, something that seems as topical now as ever and about which we are excited by the outlines of submission proposals already received. Accordingly, most articles in this chapter, explicitly or not, bring a critical eye to historical legacies of leftism as they impact our worlds and our circles, though we have also made space for some anarchists who do see their project as more compatible with the base, and not the hierarchies, of leftist elements than we do, when we have found their contributions interesting and hope to press on these questions to better identify friends and enemies beyond simple categorizations." Unquote. Martyr Dominoes, Thoughts on Michael Renault, John Brown, Civil War, and Martyrdom from DialecticalDelinquents.com by Sam Fanto. A pretty deep dive response to a promotion of martyrdom as exemplified by a piece by Idris Robinson, who is unknown to me for what that's worth, who writes a letter to a dead person, compares him to John Brown, and talks about civil war in the U.S. It's hard to get as excited as Sam Fanto about this, not knowing any of the players except for marginally the dead ones, but I'm generally anti-martyrdom, so okay. Quote, martyrdom is inevitably something bestowed on people by those who live on afterwards to, to bestow it, like some radical equivalent of awarding someone a posthumous George Cross for gallantry on the field of battle. Fuck that. A dangerous development if it begins to be pursued and adopted by those genuinely furious and fearful about the progress toward totalitarianism, and certainly not dangerous for this frightening future, but only for those who would like to fight it. Unquote. More actions claimed in Indonesia from Anon. Several security vehicles destroyed with rocks, a serious head wound to a soldier. Quote, we claim the destruction of luxury cars in the Slemen area on October 31st. We are constantly moving and will be a threat because we are aware that economic inequality under this dominant system is not our will. We realize that no life is worth living as long as authoritarianism chokes us with its brutality. This action is not only about the accumulated disgust and hatred we have against today's system, the police and whatever the state creates. This action is also an act of solidarity with every combatant on the street. We believe that the destruction of state property will continue, and we will always, always spread, spread terror! Unquote. Contribution from three anarchists from Act for Freedom Now. In September 2020, there was an event to discuss the cases of three anarchists who had been arrested in Hamburg, Germany, for some attacks and some transporting of Bernie things, and also to discuss local anarchist activity in general. The trial of the three began in January 2020 and is expected to last until November 2020 this month. This submission to ANews was written by the three anarchists for that September event. Mostly, they recommend more organization. Quote, those losses of control showed the strength and possibilities self-organized social struggles can have. 
Those experiences, as well as a lot of smaller conflicts and a continuity of revolutionary direct action, give those who long for a life of freedom without any kind of domination, courage and trust into self-organization, solidarity and direct action, instead of falling for the hoax of politics. For over more than 10 years, informal circles of anarchists and anti-authoritarians intervened in the context, created projects, dynamics, and relationships. The repression that hit us has to be seen in this context, as well as the continual failure of the repressive forces to control the antagonist dynamics. The repression against us is a revenge for the defeats of the last years, which questioned their authority and power." Unquote. Company vehicle torched at Johnson Controls Facility from Anon, an anti-electoral communique. Quote, In the early hours of October 24th, fire was set to a company vehicle at the Johnson Controls Facility in Cypress, California. This was a direct attack against the structural machinery of the prison industrial complex. Johnson Controls, along with their division Tyco Integrated Security, produces surveillance technologies for jails, prisons, and ICE detention centers. Whoever is president come Inauguration Day, whether it's Biden or Trump, one thing is for sure. The deportations and police lynchings of black and brown people will continue. Our collective strength is in the streets, not the ballot box. There is no electoral solution to the crisis we face. Consider this our ballot cast, unquote. But they don't vote, so it doesn't Organized Expropriation in Naturalia from magpie.noblogs.com. The Magpie Project is a pro-theft project, and this communique reports on a mass expropriation at an organic food chain near Paris. Quote, if we had decided to organize together for this looting, not to expropriate each other in secret, it is because we are not equal during the expropriations. Appearance, mental stress, or other characteristics are crucial in the eye of the security guards. We consider it a highly political decision to create a balance of power that is not based on individual skills. We chose Naturalia because stealing bioproducts seemed like a good retaliation. All of these products, which they call good for health and the planet, are only accessible to certain people. It is a violation of the convention to go and take what is not intended for us. We also want to have fun and eat products that are unusual, but without wanting to promote more accessible consumption, because that is not the world we want." Unquote. Let Empire Collapse, Why We Need a Decolonial Revolution, from Roar by Muhammad Abdu. The responses to this pretty much say it all. One, Roar magazine is bullshit. And two, Abdu is the representative of the dark people and we should all listen to him slash them. Not hating on all his goals, but probably another who will, come the revolution, put us up against the wall. Moving on. What would an anarchist program look like? From Crime Think. Interesting. The anarchist principles this article claims are self-determination, probably safe to say that jibes with autonomy, mutual aid, check, horizontality, hmm, and solidarity. Mm. Not a mention of direct action, not at all, in the entire piece. Curious. So, for some of us who have taken to heart the nasty things that have happened in the name of making the world safer for the greater good, it would be easy to emphasize the way that plans like this one embed a lack of, shall we say, horizontality. To take one example out of all of them, quote, all communities must return the water they use to the river, lake, or aquifer as clean as they found it, unquote. Sounds lovely on the face of it, as do most of the things listed. But who determines how clean the water is? How is it tested? Who determines who fucked it up when it is fucked up? What is the punishment for fuck-ups? What if there is dispute about whose fault it is? So the issue is, what is a state, right? What is state formation? How do we respect each other as we live in the world together, those of us who do, without policing each other or reinforcing the fucked up power dynamics that we've all learned? That said, I support playing around with these ideas of what we mean when we say a better world. It can be a poke to our imaginations. We just can't try to move in with these crushes. No marrying these flirtations. Folks need to read more Freddie Perlman is all I'm saying and maybe a little Philip K. Dick, too. For the total destruction of America from AMW, this text premises an upcoming civil war in the U.S., an idea that has been floated from multiple directions, most of them wanting you to buy their paper. Pieces like this are interesting in that they are both more hopeful and more pessimistic than they might seem initially. Quote, 
While there may be fewer anarchists today in the United States than there were in Spain in 1936, that seems incontrovertible, Mm. there is an opportunity for anarchist ideas to play a substantial role in the revolutionary upheaval that is yet to come. The streets, and the insurgent youth in particular, have advanced far beyond the limits placed on activism by the organized left in the United States. The uprising that began with the murder of George Floyd is quite possibly the largest and longest sustained rebellion in American history. A police precinct in a major U.S. city, Minneapolis, was burned to the ground, an event that was widely celebrated by people outside the activist milieu, while activist leaders continue to preach non-violence, unquote. The idea that millions of people are against police violence doesn't exactly translate to enough people wanting a revolution. But at least this was written with Biden nominally in mind and isn't just an anti-Trump rant. So many anarchists claiming victory because Biden was elected. Fucking embarrassing. Voices from Solitary, flipping the script from Voices from Solitary by Eric King. This is Eric writing about being in solitary and being tortured and maintaining his grip on himself and remaining strong. Quote, the last shoe I was in before the indictment hit was the penitentiary in Virginia, USP Lee. There is no oversight at these joints. At USP Lee, you have nothing coming. Nothing. You cannot receive or buy magazines, newspapers, books, radios, coffee, hygiene, or pens. You can buy a rubber pencil, which shows up horribly on all paper. You are completely isolated, which in my case included a phone ban from a previous shoe and visiting restrictions that were never explained to me. This is a shoe that holds 200 people and only had 150 mattresses, many of which had no covering and are just urine reeking slabs of foam. If you don't stand for count, they take your mattress as punishment. Skip standing a second time and they will take you out and replace your clothes with paper clothes see-through orange shirt and see-through bikini bottoms. You will be marched up and down the tier while the guard calls you faggot and spineless inmates join in with cat calls and whistles. You will stand next time. If you refuse the new wardrobe, you will get beaten and charged with assaulting staff. This is the BOP's shoe. Resistance is not tolerated and no one will hear you scream. No one is listening." Prisoners maintaining themselves and each other is something we can all learn from. This is worth reading in its entirety. Also, write an anarchist prisoner today. November 2nd, 2020 update on Eric from supporteriking.org. More info on what is up with Eric at the moment and also how prison officials get to use COVID as another excuse to fuck with prisoners, another weapon in their arsenal. What do we say? Right Right one one today. today. Audio and video. Silver Threads, episode five. Anarchy is something I do. Scott Crow. An hour and 15 minutes from Silver Threads podcast. Silver Threads interviews, quote, long-term organizers and activists about their watershed moments, what they have learned along the way, and how they maintain their hope on this path. Dreaming and building emergent worlds for a present and future that is anchored in justice and freedom for all, unquote. And the project is connected to GroundedFutures.com, which is apparently some kind of new media production and mentorship collective. Anyway, here, Carla Bergman, who is co-author of the book Joyful Militancy, and activist artist Eleanor Goldfield, talk with Scott Crow about his path to anarchism, the shortcomings of activism, and the importance of culture. On that last point, one of the hosts does a spiel about how radical and dangerous art is because capitalism doesn't want us to be creative. Oh, dear God. Hmm. Thankfully, Scott mentions capitalism's ability to co-opt and engulf pretty much any cultural form of product, although everyone involved is just a little too into art for my taste. Coffee with Comrades, episode 109, Through Kinship We Are Strong, featuring the Ke Info Shop. I definitely didn't pronounce that correctly. An hour and 22 minutes from Coffee with Comrades podcast. Now, before we get into the content of this episode, let's all remember that Coffee with Comrades describes itself as a podcast made, quote, by workers for workers, unquote, so gird your loins. That being said, this is actually a pretty solid conversation with Brandon, Jaden, and Coy of the Ket Info Shop in Window Rock, Arizona, which is the capital of the Navajo Nation. The conversation moves through the creation and colonial history of the Navajo Business Council, resource extraction and pollution on the Navajo Nation, indigenous mutual aid, and Diné philosophies of place and being. There's one portion of the conversation that made me slightly uneasy, namely Brandon's comments on taking the best of things like communism and anarchism while abandoning the Eurocentric remains. On the face of it, I mostly agree with that statement, but he also mentions a connection to the Red Nation organization, which at one point put out a document titled Revolutionary Socialism is the primary political ideology of the Red Nation, 
So I feel like that analysis of anarchism and communism and Eurocentrism may need some further theorizing. Beating our heads against the wall, it was worth it. 17 minutes via email. This is an interview with Croatian anarchist Eugene Babic, who, along with Verona Zancic, were recently sentenced for allegedly assaulting a police officer during a protest in 2013. Over footage of student and worker protests, Eugen describes the fuckery of Croatian courts, harassment by police, and the fact that he is effectively barred from working as a professor in Croatia as he can't receive an extremely Orwellian-sounding Certificate of Good Conduct. Eugen and Zorana are both currently on probation with the threat of prison time hanging over their heads. There is unfortunately no info that I could see on how to offer support to either of the two, but the hosts do mention reaching out to Eugen's Facebook. Bolo Bolo on Immediatism, 13, 7, 9, 21, 9, 16, 44, and 11 minutes, respectively, from Immediatism.com. Everyone's favorite anarchist utopia, which is really neither, is now available in audio format. For those of you not familiar, Bolo Bolo explores a post-capitalist subcultural future centered around Bolos, communities of about 500 people. Not only does it envision how people will cooperate and live together, it also creates a system of new words and symbols, forms of conflict, and generally gives a great example of imagination and storytelling's potential power. Read it. Immediatism podcast essays on primitivism, 10, 45, 32, and 27 minutes, respectively. So the title of this immediatism series is a bit of a misnomer, as really only the first and last pieces presented are on the subject of primitivism. The meat of this series involves two pieces from the book Pagan Anarchism by Christopher Scott Thompson put out by Gods and Radicals Press. The first, A Short History of Paganism, covers the effects of enclosure on European pagan practices and contemporary attempts to reinvigorate those practices. The second section is the story of an idea, which is meant to cover the history of anarchism. What we actually get, though, is Christopher Scott telling us that anarchism actually means anarcho-communism, and its history goes from Godwin to Bakunin, who mucked things up by promoting terrorism, Bird, to Kropotkin, to the Spanish Civil War, and then dot, 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 the Zapatistas? Oh, and apparently Stirner was basically just an anarcho-communist, so no need to revise the canon there. The last piece is weirdly titled Bonfires and Revelry, Pagan Primitivism, but is pretty much just talking about how primitivism is fucked up because lots of people would have to die for it to work. Great critique, much nuance. Why gonna die? Why gonna die? Why gonna die? Why gonna die? We were born to die. We were born to die. We were born to die. Topic of the week. Just say no. Since I became an anarchist, November has always been a time for refusal. Refusing to vote and making a big deal about it was one of the ways that I pushed back against the world. Even before I was an anarchist, I was saying no, no to war, no to sweatshop labor, no to social conformity. Personal choices such as refusing to dress a certain way or consume substances were manifestations of a negativity towards the world and a preference not to, quote unquote, that would later push me towards anarchism. The Married Nardini Gang talks about the importance of saying no to an anarchist politics in their introduction to be gay, do crime. And I'm struck by how they connect this outward negativity to the personal and how we sustain ourselves as anarchists in the world. Hold on to that moment when you first called yourself an anarchist. Whatever your story, story, surely it was a refusal, a preference not to, saying no. You may not realize it. But this is the first time in your life you set a boundary with a world that tempts, attempts to erode your capacity to do so. Find that moment and that effect and hold firmly to it. Whatever else may be taken from you, they cannot take this. Let's dispense with the tired conversation about the individual and the collective. We need each other and still each of us needs recourse to that intimately personal effect. Can we leave it at that? In the trying times when we feel alone against the world, we will always have that initiating refusal. If we tend that little candle, we can always find our way back to each other if necessary. The anarchist tension adapts to whatever comes next. As I've grown older in my politics, how I engage with the world has changed. And some of these boundaries set with the world have either become more fluid or I'm asserting them in different ways. But refusal and negativity still feel important to me on a basic level. And no, I'm not voting this year either. So what is your little candle? How important is saying no to you as an anarchist? 
and how has that changed over time? Greetings, Anarchy Land. Welcome to this week's installment of Topic of the Week. Ariel here with uh, a new guest, Adam. Welcome, Adam. Hello, Thanks I am Adam. Thanks for joining me. No problem. Um, so, oh God, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. Do you have any? Do you have any initial thoughts? So, I mean, I would say that being pretty young, I'm 23. Uh, my, I suppose. So, the part of the question, um, how has saying no changed over time? There hasn't been much time for me to change like that because uh, being 23, I've probably only been an anarchist or like anarchist adjacent or something like that for the past two or three years. Okay. Um, and so. <clears throat> And I would say that, like, well, maybe more like four years. But I would, and I would say that that in terms of like that first refusal that the question talks about for me, anarchism at, at like from the beginning was uh, sort of like me looking for something outside of the uh, politics and lifestyles that I was presented with, which all seemed unsatisfactory to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while that sort of manifested as this sort of obsession with like third party politics. And like, so I was like a capital L libertarian because I thought that was like the alternative I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I realized that no, this, that free market capitalism is not good. I don't like that. This isn't what I want. And then I discovered anarchism as like an actual, like what seemed to me to be more of like a, like an, an actual alternative to what I had been presented with for most of my life being you're either a Republican or a Democrat. This is like an actual, like out something outside of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was sort of a refusal of in the first place, a refusal of the politics that I had been presented with throughout my entire life. So, so, but what's interesting is that the, then what the author is writing is true for you. You finding your, and we'll, we'll just, say radical politics regardless of what they were about when you were 18 right was your attempt to say no it was the beginning yeah so that that moment was actually really important Mm -hmm. and as for most people it evolved right and it didn't stay what it was when you were 18 and had this you know radical strike of lightning which is usually how it goes almost nobody picks one and stays with it so that's 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 pretty good Mm -hmm. um I would even go so far as to say that like my early like forays into calling myself like you know a a capital L libertarian, like libertarian party mm-hmm. that itself was also kind of a part of that refusal, but sure. it was sort of the early stages of that. No, and I, I guess. I'm, I yeah. Think... And over time that did change to moving towards anarchism rather than libertarianism. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it absolutely was. I mean, I'm, I can't imagine that you grew up around anyone who called himself a libertarian. Um, not really. No. Yeah. Yeah. So like on some, like the crass way to put it is that you're rejecting the politics of your parents. You know, yeah. and, and even if you're not, even if you like your parents, even if you're not rejecting your parents, even if you you don't necessarily like you don't think they're bad people, but there's a there's a thing that you are raised on, right? There's a way that you were you were shown to see the world shaped by both your parents and then all the other influences around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and libertarian isn't in that display. So I mean that that is your that is your first cho- first the first time that you kind of looked around you and went, okay, no to this, yeah. What else have you got? Yep. Oh, libertarian. Well, let's try this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that you're absolutely right. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, it's, it's great. It's exciting. It's how it goes. It's, yeah. you know, I, I, I hearken back to, to being 16, 17, 18 years old and all the things that I was unhappy and disaffected by and frustrated with. And, right. And, um, yeah, I didn't really understand that there were other things until I was your age. Mm-hmm. So it took me a lot longer to get there, to know, like, sure, yes, I would like something different. I don't like these options. What are my options? Um, Internet definitely helps with that, finding yeah, those other options. Yeah, I'm a pre-internet baby. I have yep. a, 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 a friend I like very much. She's, I'm going to say 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still remember the first time we sat down and she told me about discovering Emma Goldman at, like, 13 on the internet. I was just <laughs> like... Yeah. I, I both I admire and envy and hate you so much. Like I just I can't even imagine. I can't imagine what it would have done to my life to have discovered some of these things mm-hmm. at that age. And and then think back and I'm like, but would I would I have known what to do with it? Was mm-hmm. I ready? Could I have I have no idea, but it, it just wasn't 
you know, in my, I mean, I grew up in a capital city that had good libraries, but so I'm sure it was there, but I just had, I would have had to know to go find it. Someone would have had to push me. Right. Um, and honestly, the person who pushed me was Noam Chomsky. Mm. I found Noam Chomsky at 16. Yeah. Um, and he used the word anarchist and he was talking about, yeah, language and politics and ideas in a way that just nobody ever had. And I was blown away by him. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, if you want something radical, you move away from Noam very quickly. Right. But, you know, Noam was a tenured, well-published professor and so lots of people knew his name. Like my mom knew who Noam Chomsky, knew Noam Chomsky was. And that was, you know, even in the Midwest, he was pretty easy. Um, so, but, you know, you think about it now and you're like, really? He's not even an anarchist. But at the time, let's see, 16. So that would have been 1990. Is that right? Yeah. 1990. 1990. There you go, kids. Um. So I really like this quote from Be Gay, Do Crime. Um, I want to I want to pitch here that there's a lovely little edition of Be Gay, Do Crime published by our friends at Contagion Press, like, you know, Contagious Contagion. Um, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, and everyone should go get themselves a copy. It's I think it's I don't know, it's like five bucks or something. It's a nice little quarter book with a lovely little letter pressed cover. It's it's fantastic. Um, we sell it. Little by Cart sells it from them, but we don't have any right now. But it doesn't matter. Go to Contagion and get it directly from them. Uh, uh, I do like this quote. If we tend that little candle, we can always find our way back to each other if necessary. Um, it's interesting. I like. <sighs> Sorry. I like what the author is trying to do in in kind of like taking that moment of no and calling it something both defining and life altering and centering. Um, and then later it being a place that you can look and turn back to so that if you feel like you're lost, you cannot be lost anymore. Right. I'm not entirely sure that I agree with it. Um, but it's a nice idea. Uh, and I love, I do love this. I don't remember this passage. I love this piece. Um, the Be Gay Do Crime. Uh, and I I like the way they talk about saying no to anarchist politics in general. Uh, so I'm thinking about, yeah, I'm thinking about the, the, so it's not like it, what is my little candle? Um, well, I'm old and I have a place. So I guess my little candle is my place, is my home and the people that are in my home with me. Because this is a thing that I have um, been tending to for a long time. Yeah. The people that I live with are intentional. They were chosen. Um, the project that I spend my life on is one that I helped build and cultivate with other people who I respect and love. And... I have other interests and other hobbies and other things that I do. But when I'm done with those things, I always come back here. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes in those hobbies, in those rooms, I feel alone. Because while they're often, there, there are many people there that I like. Um, they're, they're often uh, relatively forward-thinking people who are somewhat interesting, who are like, you know, they're amenable and open to my anarchist politics. They're still really, really normal. Uh, and and you have these moments where you're just like, oh, wow, right. I like you, but I have to remember that you're just a normie. Okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, you do a few days of that and you're like, okay, I got to go home. Nope. I just, I'm done. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't be nice to these people anymore. Um, and I always get to come back here and here is always pretty much exactly what I need it to be. And so that's pretty great for me. Um, do... Do you have you ever thought about your life in those terms at all? Like in terms of having something to like turn back to and like that that you have a point and that moving through your life is is putting distance between you mm -hmm. and that point and then you feeling like you need to get back to it. 
you know, whether in terms of it's because like you're, you know, like you're alone or you're lost or you are confused or and, and obviously I'm, I'm, you know, basically using all of this stuff metaphorically. Um, but there's a there's a I feel like there's a thing about travel and perspective. And, and I don't like I don't know that I had that at your age. So I'm kind of asking you a different question, I guess. I think the the close the best way I can answer that, or perhaps the closest thing I can say to to what you're asking me about is, I've often thought to myself that the last two years that I was in college uh, were probably the best years of my life, and will probably forever be the most enjoyable years that I will ever have. God, I hope not. Well, yeah, I hope not too. <laughs> but I often think like that because for those two years, I was living um constantly surrounded by like people that i love and who i enjoyed spending time with and who i could just be around and it was like it i don't know it was it, they they had become such a part of me that i didn't even like it's i i don't know how else to explain it it was like such a natural it was so natural being with them um all, all the time that i it, i just got used to it um and oftentimes, if I'm going through that, that's just sort of like, this isn't really the correct answer to your question, I don't think. There's but, no correct answer to yeah, my question. Yeah. Just talk, you're but, fine. But that, that in the same way that I think that you're describing your home mm-hmm. being here, yes. um, in, in the same way that group of people is my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps it's bad for me to sort of like romanticize that particular period of my life, because I do see those people all the time anyway even though i don't live around them in the same way that i did in college right but those people are my sort of like the the base of my uh ability to keep going like if they were to disappear i wouldn't be able to function kind of thing um and like if no matter how much no matter what might be going on with me i as long as i can think that they are still there that they are still like available to me Mm -hmm. then it's sort of it's all right that that i'll be all right um yeah that's great and that's yeah i mean it's kind of not surprising i mean on some level that's that is kind of the what the best thing that you get out of your college years is the people who can find that that's pretty awesome Mm -hmm. um as i've grown under my politics how i engage with the world has changed um talks about boundaries being more fluid or asserting them in different ways um refusal and negative negativity still feeling important to me on a basic level and no i'm not voting this year um are you an anti-voting anarchist you're an anti-voting or anti-voting political or um that's something that i've sort of gone back and forth on Mm -hmm. i i don't vote Mm -hmm. but i wouldn't call myself anti-voting um at least not necessarily. That's fine. It was just yeah. it was just the phrase I pulled out of my ass. So yeah, yeah. It doesn't actually mean anything. I would. I'll, I'll just say this. I would not. I would. I don't vote. I do not want to vote. However, if somebody were to tell me that they did vote, mm-hmm. I wouldn't try to convince them not to. Really? Yeah. I don't. I don't think that that. I don't think that voting is that important in either direction. Like, I don't think that it's like a terrible thing to vote or a terrible thing not to vote. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of an activity and whether you do it or not has little to no effect on things. Um, Except for me personally, it takes up time out of my day. So I don't do it. Actually, no, I don't. (laughs) I never would have thought about about it that way. Yeah. But actually the same is true for me. Mm -hmm. I am no longer at the point in my life where I have discussions with people about voting and explain to them why they shouldn't. Yeah. I'm just done, Mm -hmm. I guess. I don't. I don't have any problem talking to people about why I don't vote. Well, it depends on who you are. Yeah. Um, But because I'm still connected to my family back in the Midwest and a lot of normal people and the people around my family in the Midwest who are a lot of normal people. And I end up having lots of conversations about my politics and my life. And since I have some level of tolerance, patience, acceptance, or likeness for them, I will actually go through the motions. Um, but yeah, no, I guess I don't. I just, okay. When people ask me, and, and, and you know, sometimes I lie, depending on who is in the room or who mm-hmm. the audience is. Because maybe I don't want to have to be bothered with you. Yeah, I've done um, it before. But no, I also, I don't vote and I haven't voted since 
the President Clinton election in 1992. Yeah. Um. And. And it is interesting. It it is. It is definitely an act of refusal yeah. for me, um, which I hadn't thought about mm-hmm. before. Um, but and it, and it is. And while you say you don't think it's important one way or the other, mm-hmm. it is important for me that I don't vote. Yeah, um, that is important. Um, and it, and it's yeah, it's kind of woven itself in, into helping create the fundamental shape and form that is my politics and my anarchy. Um, uh, and which brings me, I guess, to the to the to the final, like the real question that the topic is asking. Asking, so what is your little candle? And we talked about that. Mm-hmm. How important is saying no to you as an anarchist, and how has that changed over time? Um, and so, definitely, saying no has always been important to me, even before I understood that I was an anarchist. Um, and I don't think it's that it's less important now. And I, and I, the only comment I read, I think was the very first comment and that commenter talked about this. Um, but now I, it's like, it's, it's also important to me that saying no isn't enough. I either want to be thoughtful about or be proactive about um, no, but. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that the no isn't the end of the sentence, I suppose. Right. Um, because as I have gotten older, it has become easier to say no. It wasn't as easy when I was 18. Yeah. Um, but it is really, really easy now and is actually my default. In fact, I have a t-shirt that says no with a period on mm-hmm. it um, that friends of mine got me because they were like, we saw it and went, oh, it's your t-shirt. Yeah. Someone made you a shirt. <laughs> Okay, Uh, that's fine. Um, Yeah, I don't think I have anything more profound to say about that. Um, And I guess I don't... I don't know. I think things should be hard. I think we should be challenged by the things that are important to us. Uh, And maybe that's just enough. Maybe that's what it is. Just no is too easy. And so there has to be something else. There has to be something more after that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Yeah, and that's how it's changed over time. The older I get, the easier it gets. Um, the more I get to shape my life into what I want it to be, the easier it gets. Um, and there's lots of ways where the more that my life looks like what it looks like now, I forget that I'm saying no. Yeah. Because I because I have struck constructed a life where I get to live outside of all of the bullshit that I want to live outside of not mm-hmm. all of it, but a lot of it. So, um, yes, this is also a nice reminder. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I mean, personally, I, I don't really know how to answer this. Like I said earlier, my mm-hmm. sort of forays into anarchism began with a refusal, but I don't at, right now. I, it's hard for me to say how important saying no is to me. Mm. Um, I, I don't really know how to answer that question. Okay. It's hard for me to like visualize like someone asking me to do something I don't want to do. And then I say no, or some, or society asking me to do something I don't want to do. And me saying like, I don't know. I don't know how to like visualize that or like understand exactly what that means. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that I think that refusal is kind of intrinsic to anarchism. I hesitate to say it's intrinsic, but I think that that is a core, core part of it. I'm reminded of of um, the essay that I actually like just reread today. Um, its core is the negation, mm-hmm. which is a comment on after post anarchism um, by Alejandro de Acosta. And in it, he sort of uh, de Acosta asserts or talks a lot about uh, nihilism as being this sort of core to anarchism. Um, this just absolute refusal. Um, and but that is the core there is more after that there's more that comes after but it always begins with that negation that refusal of everything else um and i think maybe that's why i can't answer this question because i think that no like being an anarchist like 
refusal, it just already is a part of all of it. Uh, There's no like specific saying no that I can think of because that's all of it. That's like the core of it. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. And yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's great. Um, okay. Well, I think we kind of have kind of wrung all of that we can ring out of this question. Thanks to whoever. I'm assuming this is just the collective for the, the A News crew. Thanks for this. This is great. Um, love the Zizek picture. Um, uh, thanks for up in the Mary Nardini gang and Be Gay Do Crime. If you don't know what they are, go find out. You do yourself a disservice. Um, visit our friends at Contagion Press and uh, look at their awesome selection, including the Be Gay Do Crime book. I just did like, like a whole third of this is a pitch. I've never done that before. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. Until next time, Anarchy Land. Uh, it's getting colder here in the Bay. So, you know, stay warm wherever you are. Stay safe. Take care of yourself. Let's be... The, there's a, there's a big change in the world, um, but I'm not sure it's going to be any safer for anarchists than it has been. So watch your backs. At least we can go to brunch. At least we can go to brunch. <laughs> uh, watch your backs and be careful. Um, but, you know, stay angry. Uh, until next time. Bye. Oh. This week's podcast. This week's podcast was sounded by me, who is great. <laughs> What's new is written and read by Chiseling Greg. And we thank Ariel and a friend for the Outlook Stop of the Week, which is saying no. To learn more anarchist and anti political books, pamphlets, and the materials are available at littleblackheart.com, produced by and or about anarchists, and up to the minute commentary, see you at anarchistnews.org, and or the anarchist news IRC chat room linked on A News and the Pleroma, antisocial with dots. Give us feedback and constructive criticism by email at podcastanarchistnews.org for more information, usually some good commentary. See you at your favorite non sectarian anarchist site with commentary anarchistnews.org. Have faith in yourself, your dreams will come true.